0: Howdy Disco Citizens and welcome to the Metaphorical Boat Podcast. I'm your captain, Christopher McBride. The Metaphorical Boat is a podcast where we sit down with our favourite musicians, they ask them about their music, their inspirations, and most importantly, how they take their tea. Today I'm joined by John McManus of Runabay. Bay. Bay are a six-piece band hailing from the Glens of Antrim and Belfast who have built up a name for themselves with their exuberant indie folk songs such as Moon Turns Blue and Lotus, becoming one of the most popular and exciting bands on the local scene in the process. They're on the verge of releasing their new single, Too Soon, and I'm delighted to be joined by John McManus from the band. John, thanks a lot for coming on board the Metaphorical Boat. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> we'll be talking a lot about uh, your music throughout the podcast. Yeah. But first of all, all our guests on Metaphorical Boat are treated to a drink and a snack of their choice. So yes. John, what have you gone for today? I've
1: been very, very adventurous and I've went for a, a glass of tap water <laughs> and some sort of oat-filled uh, biscuit. Yeah, it's honey and oat cake. Honey and oat cake, yes. So um, I'm being very, very... Um, Healthy. I'm playing. I'm playing football in a, in a couple of hours' time, so I thought that it yeah. would be it would be wise maybe not to indulge in a chocolate. And I don't drink coffee anyway. So, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And I I've I've kind of switched up my, norm, my normal, my normals. So I've gone for a nice cup of tea. Yeah. And of course, my favourite cake, which is of course the Battenbergs. Oh, lovely! You, you cannot yeah. go wrong with that. I'm not can't tempt you. No, no, you? I'm no. all good.
1: But, but fair play to you. The first
0: question: Who are Runaway?
1: Runaway uh, has existed now for over three years. Was initially kind of formed by myself and Gary, the, the, the other guitar player. Um, and then uh, I suppose we were friends with Jared, um, uh, who, who plays keys and, and does vocals as well. So I suppose really and truly the three of us kind of got together and then we kind of picked up the other members as we went along. There's been little bits of changes as well here and there, but that, that is the basis of the band. And, and, and then, so we've two guitars keys, cello, bass, and drums slash cajon. We're trying to push the drums out of it now more than the cajon, because we're trying to... I wouldn't say we're, we're, we're really attempting to change the sound, but it's it, it's going in a, in, a, in a different direction, and I think that's helping.
0: When did the band first come together? I think it was 2013 you
1: started? Yeah, yeah, very end. I think it was the end of, kind of around Christmas, 2013, yeah. And how did the band come together? Yeah, well, I, I suppose um, I had maybe a handful of songs written, and... Gary, as I said, the other guitar player always has has probably had the same, probably a handful of songs written. And uh first of all, myself and Gary, we went into half bap studios with friends, George and Graham. George actually ended up joining the band then after that, so we went in and recorded some songs there, maybe three songs. I think I played drums, maybe guitar, and Gary played guitar and maybe he played bass and between us we kinda of did the vocals and stuff. But it was very raw. I mean it was it was, it was very early doors. I mean, the songs weren't really... They were kind of thrown together because of just, you yeah. know, where we were at. And um, it was really my first experience of kind of properly singing in a studio and all that there. So even though I've been playing in bands and stuff, I feel like quite young in the sense that, you know, this is still quite a new thing. Were you involved in bands before you got involved? I was involved, band? yeah. I played drums. I played drums in a band. Um, I played drums in a band with, uh, once again, Gary and Jure. So Jure was the singer. Gary played guitar, guitar and bass. And we had a couple of old, old kind of friends from the the Glens kind of area, yeah. um, and we were called Voltage Voltage, and we played. Uh, yeah, and what years was that? That was probably early two thousand and three, four, that kind of time, really two thousand four, so five. That that, kind of that being more rock than. That was you know? that was proper rock. I mean very 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 different to what we do now it really was they're not heavy rock but it was kind of like like that you know kind of dance rock that was yeah. about that those oh, early like rapture, that sort of exactly that's exactly the kind of band i was i was trying to think of so that that you know i love the rapture even i suppose shades of kind of france ferdinand and you know that, yeah. that kind of r- relatively poppy but kind of little kind of sprinklings of of, of darkness within this kind of um, driving kind of dance beat and stuff and it was real you know it was real kind of narcissistic drumming from myself yeah. it's all just <laughs> Let's try and make everything as com- complex and uh, and and as uh, you know as as cool as possible on the bass as well. So that that drove everything.
0: So then, would run a Bay be would have been your first experience of, at leading a band yeah. or being involved yeah. quite heavily at front?
1: Absolutely, yeah. And that took a long time to get used to, and I suppose in any way good at. If I'm being honest, I mean I would say, it's only really in the last, I would say, probably year and a half where where I think we've become consistently good, like, consistently good live, and I'm not. I, I do believe that. I mean we've we have we have worked reasonably hard on the on the live show. Um it could always be, be better, but I think at the start the live show was very hit and miss. And I think a lot of that was down to an experience, a lack of confidence, a lack of stagecraft. I'm not really a fan of the banter, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's just I, I, I like I like kind of really making the quality of the songs good and keeping the the, the, the intervals nice and nice and brief. But yeah, that was my first kind of experience of, of, I suppose, being at the forefront and being, you know, singing and having to kind of do all that stuff and I suppose even from an organisational perspective as well and uh, so that has taken a lot of getting used to but, and it does take time, it really, really does take yeah. time, so it's only really in the last, I would say, properly in the last year, year and a half where I feel that like the live show is, is of a, a very high standard and that we're, we're, we kind of know what we're doing now, to be perfectly honest, yeah.
0: So whenever Runaway came together, what sort of music we listened to? What sort of influences came into Runaway?
1: Fleet Foxes were a big influence at that time. They I know they've just released an album, obviously this year, but before that they hadn't released an album in quite some time. So they were a big influence. Yeah, I think, I think they went on high days for quite a while before release. They, they, released this they year did. On. Yeah, they did. They did. They did. Um, and obviously, then there was the kind of Father John Misty thing in, in the midst yeah. of all that there. So, so they they were they for one were were a big influence shins were a pretty big influence as well then there was kind of more irishy stuff as well which at that time was probably a big influence as well more kind of traditional type influenced stuff so those things probably created a kind of a definitely a very folky kind of poppy sound yeah and, and that's 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 probably where we were at the, around the time of the of the of the when we formed and i don't know i mean i do I, look, I mean i look back now and i kind of We would never write those songs again put it like that but that's not to say that we we don't we don't have good memories of them but we are definitely trying to we are moving in a direction now and stuff and i think when you hear probably the 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 next few songs that that that, that will come to the fore i think you'll um you'll you'll know what i mean basically Yeah. yeah Were I
0: think the local bands on the scene influential on you because I can I can hear like elements of Emerald Armada or, or Ports in some of your sound. But we well, you listen to them?
1: Yeah, I love. I mean, I think collectively we love Ports. I mean, Ports are probably Ports are probably the best local live band I've I've seen. I think they're uh, so good. Oh, um,
0: they're, I've seen a couple of times. They are. A, you know how to get a crowd going they
1: do they do captivating again I mean they're a good example of, of a band that I don't think there's they, there's not an awful lot of chat that goes on in, in, in the middle of songs and stuff and I like that understated approach where they let the kind of the, the music and the atmospheric kind of sounds within the music do the, do the talking so yeah they're they're an excellent band we played alongside Emerald Armada once or twice and they're another very very good band yeah so th- those are I mean th- th- those are good good influences certainly to, to take on board but as I say, yeah, definitely Ports would probably be my my number one kind of local band anyway, yeah. yeah. This is
0: a question that I ask all the guests on our podcast. What is your favourite ever song? And normally when I ask this question, I kind of split it into favourite ever song and favourite ever Beatles song because it kind of feels like a cheat not being able to well, give a Beatles song.
1: Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad that you caveat at that. My favourite ever song. I love the song Last Goodbye by Jeff Buckley. I think that's that's a really, really, really... Amazing song, which is almost kind of more than a song. I just think it's it's just so unbelievable, and it almost it doesn't feel. I mean, I only started listening to Jeff Buckley when when he had, when he was dead. Yeah. Um, and it and that song kind of makes sense because that song seems other otherworldly to me. It doesn't seem like it was it could be written by somebody who's who's kind of within this world. Yeah. That kind of makes sense. It's just so so exceptional, and then in terms of Beatles songs, um. oh that's another really difficult question because I love the Beatles. Um, probably I'm the Walrus, actually. Yeah. That's it. Love the what intro, like the strings and stuff at the start, are just um, and the mad kind of reverse sound effects and all. are just incredible. Yeah, but I could again. I could have. I could have. I mean, uh, that that was probably the first one that came to me. But that is. Yeah. That's a really special, really really special song. So what was the first single that probably came out? Was Moon Turns Blue? No, was it was Sequences. Sequences which actually turned up on I saw yesterday the Start Together Studios did like a compilation of a song for every month a Spotify playlist and then it made it, it made it on that which yeah. is quite funny so yeah so we we recorded that with Ben McCauley, who um is great really really great guy and a great re- record recording artist also so we did that with him and that was a good song i mean that 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 kind of that that very kind of pop driven folk kind of song and stuff and um but that, that really that was a very very successful song for for us. You yeah. know what I mean. I mean that, that that got lots of hits on YouTube and um, yeah. I mean that got a fair bit of decent radio play for a band who had never released really anything properly. So that was a pretty decent introduction. Again, it's one of those songs. Would we write it now? No, but yeah. uh, at the time it, it was it was a good it was a good song.
0: Was there a moment uh, with Robbie? You thought actually this is something that we can do. Something that a moment that made us made you think. Actually, a lot of people really like what we're doing. I think this is, we're on the good thing here.
1: Mm, yeah, well, I mean, at, at that time, yeah, I, I, think, I think as early as then, I got a feeling that a lot of people seemed to like what we were doing. And at that time, that, I suppose that's maybe three years ago now, so I mean, I suppose we're, we were kind of in the wake of the Mumford & Sons revolution type yeah. stuff. And that music was just about on point at that time in the sense that, that that movement was just kind of petering out. But we were still within that, and I think people, you know, it, it felt in vogue. In the sense that they were still quite big at the time, and a lot of their songs, I think they maybe had their second album out around that time, and um, yeah, so it felt like we were we were in the in, in the in the midst of a, of a pretty, you know, kind of decent um and, and timely movement where a lot of people um, seemed to be liking the music. I mean, it's, it's very I don't know if you know the track, but it's a very very accessible um kind of upbeat kind of feel good song and stuff like that. There, so yeah. I mean, I can I can understand why why it would have went down well. I mean we don't play it anymore um, and yeah. there's some songs like that that we don't really, I mean, we don't really play Moonturns Blue anymore either yeah. just because we've, we've evolved and changed and the ethos behind those songs and, and I suppose the way the, the words and the way they were sung and stuff like that they don't really represent where we are now to be honest so unless we have a really big set and we need to kind of add add songs we, we, we probably we're looking forward and I think at the Duncan will probably play two songs for the first time like for the absolute first time and they'll represent a fairly big sea change in terms of what yeah. we've produced up till this time.
0: Yeah. So how has the songs changed between now and the sort of songs you're making now?
1: Well certainly a lot more minor probably. <laughs> um, you know, I think like some of those early songs it's just it's they're very majory, very upbeat, very kind of very kind of I suppose a kind of a pop lyric and a pop pop melody and a pop kind of and even though to be honest with you, that's something that I, I, I wouldn't shy away from anyway. I think that I think it's cool um to kind of be able to Deliver a kind of a catchy melody, as it were, but maybe now on top of a kind of a more kind of melancholic um, soundscape, if that, if that kind of makes sense. I mean, for example, we have we we using kind of like synth and keys a lot more than what we I mean we didn't use those at all. Yeah. We're using drums now more than what we did as well, and we've um, the I mean the, the guy Rory who drums for us is a really good drummer, really really. Kind of just can, can, can pretty much do anything on the drums. And yeah, so I mean, in, in that respect, the sound, I mean, I think the sound is definitely more indie than what it was, and it's going to go more, more that way. I mean, there's, there's a couple of songs, as I say, there's a song called Symmetry that we have, which is easily our darkest to date, but I think still has a big enough chorus and stuff out like there, but is very kind of quite minimalistic and dark in the, in, in the verses and stuff, so it, it should surprise a few people. And I think even Songs like You I Know that we released at tail end of last year. And it, it has a very, it has kind of quite dark, minor overtones, particularly from the start. And I think that really, that song gained us fans that we would, we, that we never had had before. I mean, that that, that song, um, like, there were people who I'd have been sending songs to and stuff, and they would never have even responded and stuff. And that was a strange one where I'd emailed it to a couple of people, and I mean, instantaneously got back to me. and was like, love it, you know? So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so, do you think that song has sparked? I think it has now.
1: I think I think that the challenge is now to kind of maintain and 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 grow that side of things. I mean, I think the latest, the 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 forthcoming single, which I know you've heard, yeah. is probably quite you know upbeat and kind of and, and but it, but it definitely has more of a, an indie feel than 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 maybe some of the previous ones and stuff. Um, I don't know if they'll like it in the same way that they did like that, but I know that anybody who liked you, I know. We'll definitely like the next couple of tracks coming up so yeah
0: it's like lotus was the most recent single you had out it and was that kind of follows the same kind of moving away from that old sound into Absolutely. kind of a new sound do you feel like you're trying to go for a more mainstream sound or just a, a sound that more suits what you want run away uh-huh. to be
1: i think the latter i think it's the latter i think i think it's probably more what we what we want run away to be you'd be you'd be kind of you'd be knocking your head against a brick wall if you were trying to create Songs time and time again that sounded like Mumford and Sons first album, for example. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Because that sound is just that sound is now has is no longer popular. Yeah. And whilst that's not a reason not to do it, from a from a kind of a strategic perspective, it wouldn't make sense to kind of be be be, be creating music that, for example, radio stations and stuff won't play. Yeah. Because your you know your your commercial value and then your ability to kind of get gigs and I suppose sustain and support yourself as a band is diminished greatly, but. No, I, I think that those kind of tracks that you're talking about with kind of a more, probably more of a an emphasis on, on the lyric um, and, and creating space in the songs and stuff, I, th- I think that definitely suits us us more. And as I say, you, you, you'll you hear more of that. Yeah. You
0: know. And Too Soon is your latest single. I've, I say I've heard it, yes. and I think it is going to be something pretty special when it comes well, out. Uh-huh. How did that song come about?
1: How did that song come about? That song came about from literally me messing about with a kind of a mandolin type melody on, on the guitar and gary put had some chords that he put over it and the whole thing came together very 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 quickly very quickly. It was just one of those things that came together like yeah it came together very very quickly you know the, the, the chorus part came together probably within about five minutes of, of the guitar melody being being commenced
0: if a song comes together very quickly is that a good sign that it, this yeah. is something that's
1: yeah, I don't. do you know what that that's it's it's a good question because I I've, I've thought about that I've thought about that before and I and I remember think, asking myself if a song doesn't come together kind of instantaneously or at least in a timely fashion does that mean it should be scrapped? And I used to think the answer to that was yes, but I don't think that anymore because the amount of great songs who other that other artists have created and I'm sure you you've some good examples. Yeah. Off the top of my head, I struggle. You know, so so bands that maybe come up with a riff that they they really like and then they just they just park it and they could park it for ten years. And then it becomes maybe ten years later it becomes one of their their best songs or something. Yeah. So I don't think that is the right. I think holding on to little bits of songs and maybe merging them or bringing it back and stuff. I think that's a hundred percent fine. I think sometimes it just takes a certain spark in order to I- I- ignite that, that that initial riff. So whilst it is a good sign, it's for you know I I've I've changed my view slightly on it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The big example I think of is more than a feeling. It took five years to come together, uh-huh. and that that's one of the. Best classic rock songs of all yeah, time, and yeah. five years come together, and then uh, I've heard Courtney Barnett's album. No, no, well, she's got a song called Lift Operator, and she said she spent five years wow. bringing that song out. But it's quite lyr- lyrically intricate, so you can understand where yeah. it comes from. And then on the complete other side, that Nick Drake album, Pink Moon. I think that was recorded in two nights. Wow, I think he, he literally recorded I think ninety minutes one night, then ninety minutes the other night, and I think there was a bit of minor piano, piano overdub. Um, but apart from that
1: even though my initial reaction there was whoa when I think about it again I actually don't think that's that mad because the songs are all very short and they are kind of little jams do you know what I mean they're not they're not really kind of um, like and then within the album as well there's a lot of little what do you call those kind of like interludes yes interludes exactly <laughs> So on one hand I'm, I'm not'm I'm not that I'm not that surprised about it because when you actually listen to the songs they' they're, they are simple I mean most of them are in the same kind of tuning as well aren't they so it's kind yeah. of like um, but he had a lovely lovely style and a, a really unique I mean to say, I mean I don't really like phrases like ahead of his time but his melodies certainly were well well ahead of their time because I mean that that is now that 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 approach to, to, to vocals that understated kind of just above kind of spoken word is is, is very much in vogue at the
0: moment. During his lifetime he had no success and Mm. obviously died tragically, but it wasn't until about 30 years later that people started, just through word of mouth, people talking about him and then eventually by the year 2000 he was selling something like 100,000 copies a year Mm -hmm. of his album. Yeah,
1: amazing, amazing, yeah.
0: So it's interesting how some artists uh, like at the start aren't successful and then just over time, over word of mouth, suddenly become so revered.
1: Well I, th- I think that's fashion isn't it as well, do you know what I mean, it's like um, you know, you, you, you could you could write a song now that because it isn't in, in, in fashion that people, it would, it would kind of go over people's heads a little bit and then maybe then ten years down the line whenever that particular style then came to the fore again and somebody stumbles across the song and, and you know what I mean and, and it, it can be, I think, I think that can happen, I think obviously music and, and styles and, and preferences definitely go in, in cycles. Yeah, and um, as you say I mean I don't know what happened in the year 2000 well I mean uh, maybe in the year 2000 was that maybe that style uh, in a contemporary sense was big so that, that kind of made sense
0: I think that as well but also Pikmin was using big Volkswagen which was a big ah, hit at the time so that pushed okay. it through so okay. so th- it was already building up but that just burst it through
1: yeah yeah. no I mean adver- advertisements are a very very powerful um, vehicle excuse the pun to, um, yeah. to, to kind of um yeah bring bring songs forward i mean if you if you've if you can get a song in a, in a tv yeah. ad where you're really dancing then so <laughs> you know? you,
0: if run bay was uh, if someone came to run bay said Here, here's a couple of thousand pounds please use our song yes please we use your song you definitely go for it
1: yes and can, I'm gonna, can i use this as, a, as an appeal to anybody who um creates <laughs> uh music for advertisements please come and get us quickly <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's interesting because no some bands can be uh, refused to let any other songs be used where others are happy to let anyone using like Mo. Like I think Moby is famous because his big, uh, his big on um, play every single song license licensed the ads.
1: Well, I mean, my my view on that is, is quite simple. I want to get our music out to as many people as I possibly can. No, I'm not. I, I wouldn't swallow my my, my, my principles totally in, yeah. in doing that. Like I mean, for example, if I don't know if the Trump campaign or something, there yeah. like, will I would say absolutely not. Yeah. But generally speaking. I mean, a Volkswagen or, I mean, and, I'm, and I'm, none of these companies, I'm sure, are, are whiter than white and make plenty of mistakes and stuff, but generally speaking, I would I would see that as a as a means for, for us to kind of get yeah. our song to more ears. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't be, personally, I can't speak for everybody else in the band, but I mean, I would want to get our music out to yeah. as many ears as possible. And it's not a money thing at all, genuinely not. I mean, we take no money out of the band at all. It's Any money we generate goes straight into things like recording and equipment and all that, so... I don't care if that was never ever ever to change, it just I mean my, my, my drive is to get the, our music, get 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 as many of our songs recorded as possible and get out as many years as possible, simple as that. Yeah,
0: so uh, your next SIG launch is coming up in the Duncan Arts Centre on Saturday and you've got a good sport, you've got Melosian playing yeah. and there's another?
1: Yes, Amy McAllister who is like, um, Amy travels the world basically playing music, She she's a, she's a harpist. Really by trade, she plays violin. Uh, she's also a very very talented vocalist, um, and she did an album with. Is it moving on music at the Mac? So she was involved in that program. So seemed to receive a fair bit of kind of PR and mentoring and so on and so forth. So Amy's, I mean, I we went, to, I went to school with Amy. Amy was my year at school, and Amy's very, very talented singer. And you know she's got some great songs in a kind of a tr- traditional kind of way and stuff. And her music, I actually went to her album launch in the Duncairn about, I guess probably two months ago now. And I think it was a packed house for that. Uh, we're excited to have Amy, and I think Amy's maybe going to come up and play out. Maybe add add a, add a bit of heart to a song or two as well, which should be interesting. What do you think of
0: the Duncairn as a venue? It, I I quite like it just. First, because it's a nice venue, and secondly, because it's really walking distance of me, so I yeah. quite like that. What do you think of it as a venue?
1: I think it's probably the best venue in Belfast. And I don't say that with any, with you know, too easily. I think I think there are some other great venues as well. But off the top of my head, I think it's probably the best venue in Belfast. It's it's beautiful, it's ornate. I love how it's finished. The fact that it's a bring-your-own venue as well helps. Yeah. I mean, it creates value for people. So even if the tickets are a pound or two yeah. dearer than what they would be, Ordinarily, I mean that that money is. I mean, if it's a Saturday night or Friday, yeah. like people, most people there will, will will want to have a drink. Yeah. There's a very relaxed atmosphere to it. Like I mean, you, you can be in there and you, you never really feel like anybody who works in Duncairn's work working there. And I say that positively because it it doesn't feel like anybody's kind of breathing down your neck. You know the way there are some venues you go to and you're like, oh, um, you know, let's not be seen to be, you know, not rowdy, but you, yeah. you know, and you know, oh. You spill a drink, you're in trouble here. You know, all the, there doesn't seem to be those same kind of levels of, of scrutiny. Yeah. And I think that creates a really relaxed and respectful uh, environment that people that people really latch on to. So, yeah, it's a great venue, and I think that it's, it's brilliant for North Belfast to have yeah. a venue like that. Yeah, do you think there are enough venues in Northern Ireland for local
0: artists? Because I know there's been a few venues that closed down recently. Mm-hmm. But do you think there's enough venues or good, ve- good venues for playing in Belfast?
1: probably not like for example the music that we produce i mean we we do rely on on acoustics so i mean nice high ceilings always and and, and good space always and a, and a big stage really make life very very easy for us i mean if we're in a tight in a tight space like in a, you know sometimes maybe in the likes of um you know hues downstairs for example it's very very right. tight very very difficult for, for for a band of our size to to, to really do well and whereas the the duncairn or maybe the limelight or you know those bigger yeah. stages um, make life an awful awful lot easier so yeah i think i think i think yeah i think we do need more we, we do need more venues that, but i think the venues are one side of it but i think i mean upstairs in the M- empire as well is another great venue yeah. for for big bands as well but i think more than venues i think we i think we need probably a recognized night and yeah. i've been saying this for a long time and i still feel like it. i mean somebody i was speaking to a, a, a lady from boston last night and she was saying to me where, where, where are the best places to go for live music in belfast and I said It's funny. It doesn't really work like that. It, it kind of works by the band, and yeah. you, you will find good bands playing in Belfast every week, but they won't necessarily play in in the venues that you would that you would imagine. So I think that um, I think that yes, having a, some good venues would be good, but also having a regular night of 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 probably quality but similar kinds of similarish kinds of music would 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 be something would be a real help when I mean, you've got the Ruby Sessions in Dublin. Yeah. Um, which is a weekly event obviously and I'm not, I'm not suggesting that Belfast could sustain that but certainly if there was even one maybe monthly thing at a place like the Duncairn where you kind of knew that I mean, you you didn't even know maybe the bands that were going but you knew that the quality was going to be there I think Belfast would be more than uh, able to to, to to, sustain that So if someone's going to see Runner Bay live mm.
0: what can they expect?
1: I think they can expect a very polished a, a polished live show with energy with a lot of vocal harmony and um, you know kind of big kind of cello sweeping melodies and a lot of intricate kind of gu- gu- guitar work and finger picking and just a, a very a very eclectic kind of kind of up 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 tempo upbeat um, night. I I would like to think I'm I'm self critical enough and I hope to, to, to know where the live show is at and I think at the moment I think the live show is very very strong we played a couple of really good gigs over the summer um, where we really really. Really felt like a coming of age season, if if um, if you will, and I think that hopefully we're gonna we're gonna bring that from strength to strength, and I think now is the live performance is there now, and we we wanted to concentrate on that, so now it's about getting out. I mean, we, there are, we have a million songs sitting in the bank. I mean, honestly, I mean, so many songs, too many songs. So the the idea now is to try and get the best of those out and, and soon.
0: I, th- I think the last couple of gigs you've played have sold out, or at least got a really big crowd. Yeah. So I think you've got you built up a good following.
1: We have built up a good following. The the, the secret in Belfast is not to play too much, which almost seems counterintuitive. Kind of intuitive. It does, but in order to kind of keep the keep the buzz alive, I mean, we we tr- we try not to play too much locally. We we simply do because, a it distracts from writing, which at the minute there's a big drive on, and I'm and I'm very I'm, I'm being a st- kind of as as stringent as I can towards that. But, but but i think i think the more you play in belfast the harder it is to create that kind of that sense of um something special something special that sense of occasion if you're playing in belfast every week that that sense of occasion isn't really there and how do you put a new spin on a show that you're playing on one friday to the next the best gigs are the ones where you have a reason to celebrate something and, and this will probably be i think we've maybe one or two little maybe the Atlantic sessions or something like that maybe beyond this gig but generally speaking the, the as soon as this gigs over, the attention will turn to, to recording. So after this gig, what is next for Runabay? It's one of two things. It's either an album or an EP. We just have to decide what, what way to do it. I, I, it's probably toss of a coin stuff at the moment. Yeah.
0: So if it was an album, would it be an album of complete new songs or would some of the songs already released be on that? And with the EP, I imagine the EP would be new music?
1: Yeah, the, the EP would 100% be new music, definitely. The album, I think, would be primarily new music as well, maybe one or two. Ones that we've already recorded, we maybe make the cut or something like that, but not too many more.
0: Well, John, thanks a lot for coming on board the Matt Farquhar Boat and doing the podcast. And if people want to find out a bit more about Runabay, how would they go about doing that?
1: Um, well, they can hear a, a, about Runabay. Um, we're on all of the kind of the standard platforms. I mean, first of all, like I usually say, I mean, there, there are no other bands in the world called Runabay <laughs> that we're we aware of. And R-U-N-A-B-A-Y. Is how it's spelled, we've plenty of stuff on YouTube. I mean, we would really appreciate a follow on Spotify because that's always good. We're, we're, we're The streams now on Spotify are coming on, coming along nicely. Yeah. SoundCloud, Bandcamp, we have a website runabay.com, and we're on Facebook and Twitter, and we're not too hard to find. And it's in
0: all those, yes, yeah. it is indeed. Yeah. Okay. yeah, well, John, thanks a lot for coming in to talk about runabay. I've been the captain of the metaphorical boat, Christopher McBride. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, and if you want to visit the original website, it's www metaphoricalboat.com.